Thank you for coming Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the Queer Improv Show, Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest-running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And I am so super duper excited about my guest with me here today. Jeff Hiller, with any pronouns, is an actor and comedian based in New York City. Born and raised in San Antonio, Texas, Jeff is a graduate of Texas Lutheran University, where they studied theater and theology. After moving to New York City, Jeff studied improv and sketch comedy at UCB Theater. He's appeared in guest roles on television in 30 Rock twice. Ugly Betty, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Broad City, Difficult People, among many others. He originated the role of John Quincy Adams in Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson on Broadway, and most recently starred in HBO show, in the HBO show, Somebody Somewhere, which was just renewed for a second season. And my claim to fame with Jeff is we did a musical improv scene together during, I think it was Thank You for Coming Out's first, second ever Pride. So, oh. So, any, yeah. So, welcome, Jeff. Hello. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's fun to be here. <laughs> so, we, we kind of covered this a little bit right when you popped on the Zoom, but how, how have you been? How's your pandemic treating you? How's All that pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, not, a, not an easy time. It's not an easy time. Um, yeah. But uh, I feel okay. I feel like we're, 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 surviving right yeah those of us who survived <laughs> oh, <touche>. oh god <laughs> Oi. <laughs> um yeah it does feel like there's for me i'm feeling like there's like the light at the end of the tunnel ish but then the light is like actually the world exploding <laughs> so it's like is it am i happy <laughs> like i don't know you know i know i know there somebody was saying like it's a privilege to live through uh, you know these um, historic history making times, and I was like, "Is it? I, don't know. I long for some precedented times." <laughs> I like really would love a precedented time, like truly. <laughs> it's so stressful. I'm like definitely in an exi- existential crisis mode, so I'm just trying to be like, "Does anything matter?" <laughs> Not really. Which <laughs> is sort of a, a certain way, kind of freeing. It's like, eh, yeah, nothing matters. It's not that's. Let's not stress about it. That's exactly <laughs> also where I am too. I was like, I'm just going to like try, like we we're talking about this earlier too, like manifest all the things I've ever wanted. I was like, should I just like reach out to Lady Gaga and see if she wants to do something with me? Like, why not? Why not? You know what? I believe if there's somebody who can do that, it's you. I feel like you could reach out to Lady Gaga and Lady Gaga would be like, yeah, let's do this. Okay. Well, you heard it here, folks. Jeff Hiller said, if anyone could do it, it's me. <laughs> I believe that. I, I said on the, on, before we recorded, I said, you're a manifester. You get things done. I find it very impressive, very inspiring. Thank you. I really appreciate that. All right. So stay tuned for me and Lady Gaga. <laughs> um, 
Okay. So we all have multiple coming out stories and coming into ourselves stories. And mm-hmm. I would be honored to hold space to hear one of yours. Okay, great. Well, I mean, obviously I have sort of the traditional coming out story um, about, you know, like sexuality and, and then like actually sort of just like, like 2018, 19, I had one where I sort of was coming out as sort of non-binary or, or, or maybe just not uh, traditionally male. Mm-hmm. And, um, but really the one that I think is more interesting <laughs> and that I'm going to tell you right now Great. is the one where I came out to myself as an actor, as Ooh. a performer, Great. as someone who deserves to do the career that I feel I'm right to do. So, um, so I, I, um, I always wanted to be an actor. And, uh, so when, um, I was in high school, there was like, I went to a really humongous high school, like, um, like graduating class were in the 700 people area. So what does that make it like 2,800? I guess that's not that big. Anyway, it felt big. And, um, and so like, in musicals and things like that, I could never, I never got a role. I was always just like, like I was in Oklahoma and, and my whole role was, come on, a Eller, we got enough. That was my entire role. Um, that's a speaking, <laughs> that's a speaking role. They have to give every single member. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Okay, fine. <laughs> it was a pity role. Oh. Um, but uh, so I, I kind of got a complex where I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not as good as like the the real people, the people who are in the, like I was in the choir and they were in the drama. And, and then I went to college and, um, and it was a very small college. And so I got, I got a lot of roles, but I was like, well, it's because it's a small college or whatever. And so I went on and became a social worker just because I was like, well, nobody can actually, you know, like become an actor. That's not a thing that you people do. And so I was a social worker. I worked with first I did a year of AmeriCorps. I worked with homeless youth. And then I did um, a couple of years working at the Denver Public Health Department doing HIV prevention and, um, and pre and post test counseling. And then I, while I was there, my good friend Katie, um, she was like, I'm going to join an improv team. Come on, you, you should do it too. And I was like, oh, I can't improvise. <laughs> That's mm. too hard. I don't know how to improv. They have to think on their feet. I could never. And she was like, just come with me because I don't want to come to this thing alone. What if it's like, what if the guy's like scary? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll go. You're the Just muscle. To... <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> also, if you knew Katie, you'd be like, oh, Jeff is not the muscle. <laughs> Katie could easily take everyone down. Um, and now she is a midwife. Um, I don't know why I'm saying that. It just kind of feels about strength because she is Mm. just so like strong um anyway so I went we both auditioned we both got put on the team and then it became oh that's my cat I'm so sorry and then we became (laughs) she's like I don't like this story tell the one (laughs) about coming out I was gay um so I uh I was like good I was good at it so then I, I knew I wanted to come to New York, but I didn't feel like I could tell anyone that I was wanting to come to New York to act. I just, I was too embarrassed. So I applied to NYU 
and was accepted into their master's in social work program, I moved to New York City and classes would start in September and I moved here in June. And so I took level one and level two at the UCB theater and I was really, I was good. And while I was there, Polar got put on SNL and um, this is so dumb, but this one improviser named Bob Wiltfong, he um, got a, he like was in a commercial and Mm -hmm. he had this blog called like, you know, like, or like how to make it as an actor or something like that. And I could read his blog and, and he really broke down like, you just have to go to these auditions and the way you get these auditions is you get an agent and the way you get an agent is like this. Um, of course, it was not nearly as easy as the blog made it seem, but mm-hmm. um, uh, but because I saw him do that and because I was at a theater where there was a lady who was on SNL, I was like, oh, this is something that could happen. This is something I could do. And so I deferred my... Uh, acceptance for a year but I never went back (laughs) and that's when I started telling people like like I was gonna I was gonna make a joke and say it was easier to come out to my parents about being gay than about being um uh, uh, wanting to be an actor but that's not true Mm. (laughs) it was actually much harder to tell them I was gay um but it was kind of hard to tell them I was an actor too Mm -hmm. um because they were scared and uh, protective, you know. Um, but that is when I uh, officially came out as an actor. Hmm. <laughs> and then just seven short years later, I got my first paying gig. <laughs> <laughs> but you got it. You stuck it but out. But I got it. But I got it. <laughs> um, okay. Th- well, thank you so much for sharing. I think... Um, actually like what you shared is so still relevant to the queer experience Mm. of, you know, you know, people in our families or our communities or society have expectations for us, whether it's our sexual orientation or our gender identity or our profession and like where we're like, there are different like markers where we're supposed to be. Um, And so uh, uh, like breaking out of that specific narrative, no matter to do whatever it is, is hard. Mm. Yeah. It's really totally. hard. Um, and it was also hard. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to speak to anybody else's experience, but for me, it was really hard to even admit to myself yeah. that I was a gay person or a queer person. And so to have, I, it sort of did mirror that where it was like, I had to come out to myself that I was going to have this like very risky job. And I didn't know if it was going to be something that would pay off or that people would still like me. <laughs> yeah. That's so and, hard. Yeah. And it does feel very similar. And also like, um, I moved to New York in June of 2001. So I was, um, it was not before the internet, <laughs> old, but it, it wasn't the internet. Like we see now, like Will and Grace had only been on for like three years. And, um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is for me growing up, I, I didn't have a lot of experience looking at queer people and saying like, Oh, that's a real life. It's a life you can lead. It's a life that has happiness. And 
I also didn't have that as like, as a, a performer, like I didn't see anyone who was just a normal person, you know, it was like, oh, I, well, that's because their dad's famous or they have well, whatever, they're gorgeous <laughs> 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 or they, whatever, that for some reason they knew how to get into Yale. I don't know how to get into Yale. <laughs> right. I mean, who does, except for the people who are there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, you're bringing up like visibility and representation of the sense of like, how do I know I can do it if I've never seen it before? Yeah, totally. And you said something in the very beginning of um, like you you came out to yourself as a performer as something you deserve. And I think right. that that's like that word deserve is like we all deserve to live the passions that we want to live and to try the things we want to try. But because of what society says it's sometimes it's really hard to, to even let ourselves feel like we deserve the things that make us happy, especially if it's off the beaten path. Totally. Completely. Yeah. This makes me think about like, you know, I talk about like, Oh, you know, it was back in 2000. We didn't know, but like, think about these, like you hear stories about people like in the 1700s who were trans and like lived as trans men or trans women. And it's like, wow. Yeah. How- in the hell did you know that that I mean like that is like someone truly living themselves it's like so beautiful of course there was a lot of deceit that had to go into it because yeah (laughs) yeah and like you know you know and it's I didn't I didn't know that stuff until you know the recently-ish years and it's because you know the 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 cis white straight Christian patriarchy is trying to erase what's always been and to make it seem like trans people non-binary people are a fad it's a trend when in reality you know we've been around literally since the beginning of time exactly (laughs) i love that a trend these -hmm. people are a trend like i've never been trendy with anything in my life what am i going to start now (laughs) i still wear like tevas and cargo shorts come on people i'm not trendy Exactly. Yeah. I'm not H and M. I'm a person. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's exactly. Um, I'm so intrigued. So, so you're, you were a social worker. So you're, you're, first of all, you could, you could go back to NYU anytime you're still deferred, probably. Right. Like you're just like, you know, what? I might I'm have gonna... to reapply now. It's been over 20 years. <laughs> like maybe. <laughs> what were some of the, like, you know, working with youth who are experiencing homelessness and folks who, um, are experiencing um, like living with and and being exposed to HIV. I don't even know if that's the right way to say that, but did that have any influence on you as, as a queer person and, or Mm -hmm. not as a, like, just like, what was that like, you know, doing that kind of work? Um, um, I would say that my being queer had an influence on me working in those professions for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and I think it definitely affected me as a person. I think, um, I was always compassionate, but just like having knowledge of, um, the systemic barriers against groups of folks just gave me, um, uh, more knowledge in my compassion. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, uh, 
What was the question? <laughs> Just like, like how if it experienced you as a queer, like uh, influenced you as a queer person or vice versa, you're, you're answering it. You're, you're right on. Well, I just think that it, um, I think that so much uh, uh, of, I mean, like if you look at like um, the, just like this kind of crazy awakening of <laughs> white supremacy, like mm-hmm. the, 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 that so many people had um, denied until it, I mean, you know, uh, uh, finally bubbled over by people seeing this film of, of, of George Floyd being murdered and not, and nobody doing anything about it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that in that sense, uh, which is not to say that I'm like, I have no (laughs) internal racism whatsoever. I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to imply that at all, Mm -hmm. but I, I think that I, um, because I worked I was like a jobs counselor and an outreach counselor for um, people under 21 who, uh, yeah, were currently experiencing homelessness. And you, when you try and get somebody a job, you see how the world is just so stacked against them. You know, like Mm -hmm. this whole idea of like, why don't you just get a job and Mm -hmm. then get an apartment? (laughs) It's like, you know, I mean, literally a week ago, someone was like, I mean, that person obviously must be choosing to be homeless because they were like physically attractive. Someone, a a, a person whose brain works said this a week ago. Um, So I I do think that (laughs) it's a lot to unpack, but I I think (laughs) that um, working in that field at 21 years old, 22 years old, um, really opened my eyes to the unfairness of the world and um, to the need to be in solidarity mm. with your brothers and sisters rather than saying like, well, the lesbians are doing this, right? And the, and uh, well, that's like, you know, that's for like drag queens, you know? I mean, like pre-drag race, drag queens were not respected. Right. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> now they're the whole thing. Right. Um, but it, uh, I don't know. That's what I think it, it really influenced me as, as a queer person is to be, um, you know, in solidarity with people who are on across the entire diaspora of, you know, queerness and gender expression and identity and also with BIPOC folks and with um, just straight up cisgendered women. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the whole... Uh, everybody got to be together thing. It also really influenced like being politically active and, you know, knocking on doors and crap. Yeah. Which like, we got to keep knocking on doors. I know. That's but just... you know, during the pandemic, it was so confusing. Cause like, we, you know, it was 2020. So we were like, Oh, we're going to, we'd done all, we were like, okay, we're going to do long Island. And then like in October, we'll go to like maybe, Virginia or some sort of Eastern seaboard swing state. And then it just all, like, all we did was like, well, I did some text banking and some phone banking and some postcard writing, but that was Mm -hmm. it. It was like, whoa, this really changed. (laughs) Yeah, I did that too. And I even felt like I, A, get anxious in crowds and B, I'm like, 
So like when everyone was marching every day, but also like mm. we didn't know yet exactly what COVID could do and like how it was right. transmitted and it was right. still so early that I felt yeah. I, I marched probably seven times and was like, like so full of guilt that I wasn't out there every single day. I know. And so I, I was know. like, but we all have to like do our own parts. And it's like, I'll go when you're tired and we'll switch and I'll text. It's just, it's so much. And it is so much. It is. It is. And it's also, you know, you're not going to do anybody any good if you're, um, if you go outside of your acceptable risk limits and you feel scared or you, or, you know, like I had people who were immune compromised who were like, I, I can't go out there. And, you know, yeah. you, I don't know, no guilt. I mean, yeah. I know you're going to have it anyway, but <laughs> yeah. Um, which is, I'm just going to make up that that's a perfect segue, but it actually is a perfect segue. Cause I felt like that was very like, um, I don't even know, like, I was going to say religious of you, but that's not actually what I mean to say, but like comforting. And like, as, as a, like, I just want to talk about somebody somewhere and then like, yeah, also, that's and that's, that's like where I tried to go, but that wasn't, that wasn't good or smooth at all. <laughs> so you're on somebody somewhere and you, uh, so do you mind just sharing with our listeners who are, who maybe haven't watched yet a little bit about what the show is and what your role is? Sure. So the show stars Bridget Everett as um, Sam and Sam has been back in her hometown for about a year and a half. Um, She came back to care for her dying sister. Her sister has died six months ago and now she's sort of in stasis, both professionally, socially, spiritually. And she realizes that her co-walker played by me mm. whose name is Joel um after uh, she realizes that they went to high school together she doesn't remember him he remembers her mm. and um he invites her to a thing called choir practice which is actually a ruse and it's really just sort of like a cabaret <laughs> um where all of the um people who don't necessarily fit into mainstream society can gather and have fun in a queer friendly space and that is where she rediscovers her voice both figuratively and literally Mm. (laughs) yeah it's It's kind of a hard show to like encapsulate it's like (laughs) it's not like we all live in a house or whatever (laughs) yeah it's like very it's funny but it's so authentically real and there were like some themes in there which I don't really need to get into but like that <laughs> that hit so close where I actually had to like stop watching mm. and like come back because mm. I was like this is a lot I mean I, I just told you I made a joke when you said how was your pandemic I was like I got sober and started tea <laughs> like but like so like the drinking um aspect with Sam's mom was hard for me sure. um Ben, it's not about me. This is about you. Um, but it's, it can be about both of us, I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's um, a conversation. That's true. You're right. Um, but yeah, the, I, no, mean, I get that. I can completely understand how that would be, you know, triggering. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. 
but it's um just the show is done so well and how did you were you connected to Bridget before this or like how how did you come about this um role well I've been kicking around for a minute (laughs) (laughs) um and so Yes, I had, we had done shows together. I, she used to do a show at Joe's Pub called Our Hit Parade, which was, um, at least in my mind, iconic. Mm-hmm. And um, she asked me to do it a few times because I had done shows at the public. I don't exactly know how she knew who I was. Oh, because I had done a show with Jen Harris, um, um, about Silence of the Lambs. Mm. And um, so... Any blah blah blah. She knew who I was, <laughs> <laughs> and um, she emailed me and said, "Hey, I'm I have this TV show, and there's a role I think you might be good for. Would you mind auditioning for it?" Which, of course, like, <laughs> like actually, I'm busy. Gonna... bye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, so she was like, uh, w- "Would you do that?" And of course, I said yes. And um, when I actually read the script, I was like, oh, this is, this is actually really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> normally you audition for things that are, you know, whatever. You audition for whatever comes up. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, ooh, I really love this role. I love that Joel is um, queer, but also Christian mm-hmm. because uh, I was a theology major in college. And I, 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 the reason I worked with homeless youth is I did a program with um, the Lutheran church that puts a full-time volunteer in social service agencies. So I, I, I was into that. I'm, I'm into the like liberal cool church that um, is actually super supportive of, of um, people and is actually super big social justice fighter as opposed to like the church that we think of that's um, gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, so I auditioned and I was sort of like, oh, I, I think she wants me specifically. That's why she asked me. And mm-hmm. then I've heard from like many queer male identified actors over 40 that they also auditioned. And every time they say it, I get a frisson, a shiver of like, oh my gosh, I almost didn't get this part. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it almost was like you were it like, it was for you, but they had to like pay lip service to other people to be like, fine, you can audition. Like Bridget was like, all right, I just want to like give these people a chance so they can say that I offered this to them, but this is really for Jeff. That's my hunch. I love that theory. I don't think it's true, but I do love that theory. I only just don't think it's true because we weren't that close, to be honest. And also like they didn't know how the role is very much like me, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't know that. They didn't know that I was, that I went to a Christian college and that I was a theology major and that I, um, you know, I had a stress rash. My character has a stress rash. Mm. I had one when I was, because of coming out, uh, I had gotten caught in high school (laughs) doing something gay and uh, (laughs) it it manifested then. And then it manifested again when I was 40, when I also had a high stress situation and I drive a Buick LeSabre and he he drives a Buick LeSabre. I mean, I don't need more, but I did. Um, It's just, it's a very... those are like such shallow um identical like things but um he's very much like me so it it does feel like a shirt as they say they do say that (laughs) they do say that um I love that and 
I just like your like Joel's journey specifically of like relationship status and also relationship with with choir and relationship with religion just feels so like resonant and tangible for like so many people to like go through and you know challenge things and have heartbreak and find friendships old and new it just it's so it's so beautiful yeah it's really nuanced it's also really authentic because Mm -hmm. um I think anytime you see um, a queer person and a church in the same um, script, it's going to be that the church is, you know, oppressing the queer person mm-hmm. with good reason. The church has done that. <laughs> I'm not right. trying to say that the, right. the poor church, um, but <laughs> right. I, I, I do think that there are a lot of queer folks who, who find community in, in churches and faith communities um, and who find their people. And this show is all about finding your people. And I think that especially in rural parts of America, that is a really great place to find um, your folks. So yeah. I like that. I like that it's authenticity. Authenticity. Yeah. Authenticity. <laughs> um, I also, I, I hate to admit this, but I'd never heard of Murray Hill before until oh, watching really? somebody. Yeah. But then mm. Murray is now and everything that I see and is everywhere. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay. He's, he's blowing up, baby. He's blowing up. <laughs> yeah. But I, I actually, I don't know what are, how, how does Murray, what is Murray's identity? I, Murray identifies as a trans man. Okay. So I mean, that's what I would have said, but I would never want to assume that about anybody. Sure. Um, but what I loved about and continue to love is that in this small rural town, I was always on the edge of my seat. Like, when's someone going to be mean to Murray? Like I was just like, not because I want someone to be mean, but like that's experience and like, you know, and it never happened. Right. Well, never in like a, whatever, pardon the, you know, never in like a sort of dramatic movie, Oscar winning movie way. Right. But, um, you know, I think there are some microaggressions throughout, but yeah. Yeah. It's not, um, it's not about, it's not a show about like trauma porn, you know, it's mm-hmm. about, um, it's about finding your people and finding your voice. So I like that. Part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think you're right. Like you're right. There's a difference between the like microaggressions versus the, like, I hate to bring this example in, but it's the only one I can think of like the boys don't cry Oscar, right. like right. terribleness. Right. right. Um, but it just was, yeah, it was, um, I appreciated, I appreciated that. So pass that along to everybody. I will, I will. <laughs> um, I also love that um, I saw that you, you all like improvise a little bit in the, mm-hmm. in the show. Mm-hmm. How did that, how'd that go over? Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to note that it's not improvising like, um, like a Judd Apatow movie where it's like, now I'm going to see this wild joke you know what I mean it's not mm-hmm. like <laughs> wax my chest and I'll whatever right, it's right. um uh it, you know it, it was it's it was about like thinking about these characters and really knowing these characters and writing these characters toward the actors that are playing them too which is oh, what a gift and yeah. um and also just kind of making the words fit in our mouth better mm-hmm. 
Um, but also, you know, it got to a point where like, I kind of felt like I knew Joel and I knew Joel's relationship with Sam. And so I could, I could speak as Joel and, you know, some of the things they were like, you know, on the cutting room floor, but, mm. um, <laughs> but, but other things they were like, Oh, I really like that. Would you do, um, do that again in the next take or, um, or like, Oh, that's really good. If you can think of anything else, do it, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. And that probably lends to the authenticity of it yeah. because it's not just like word on paper. It's like what you were feeling as that character in the moment, which is really cool. Right. And they, their, their big thing was they didn't want like sitcom just, they wanted real life jokes, you know, cause people are funny in real life too. It's just mm-hmm. that in real life you laugh when people are funny and in sitcoms, you give a glare to the camera. Now don't get me wrong. I love a sitcom, but that's mm-hmm. not what the point of this show is. This show is all about authenticity and, and about like a real slice of life thing, which I really enjoy portraying. I'd love to be on a sitcom in the future where I look at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to manifest that too. Okay, good. Oh, good. I need to be a sitcom starring you and Lady Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I would be down in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very fun. Um, so... What do, you, what do you hope that the series inspires for other people? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I hope it brings joy to people. That's, I mean, I, I don't think that I have any sort of like didactic, like secret plan or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, I feel like already people are saying it's inspiring uh, you know, appreciation for friendships and um, a, a respect. You know, I think a lot of people in the Midwest really like it because it doesn't make fun of people who are living in the Midwest. It's mm-hmm. it, it's respectful and um, I like all those things. <laughs> yeah. Have you, do you watch the show Welcome to Flatch? No, but Murray's in that too. I know it's everywhere. I, I'm going to. I I really want. I've heard really wonderful things about it. I just haven't sat down and watched it, but I'm going to. Yes. Yeah, it's um, it's just like what you just said reminded me of it because it is takes place in a made up town in Ohio called Flatch, mm-hmm. and it very much is making fun of like small town Ohio Midwestern oh, really? life. Yeah, it's like that's like the point of the show is. <laughs> Is like it's a documentary of this small town, and it's re- just tears it to pieces, and it's, but also very funny, but also right. like, it's just such a different approach to, um, showcasing what the Midwest is made of. Completely, yeah, that sounds actually really funny, and I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. It's I love it. I think there are only seven episodes out, and I really want there to be more I messaged my friend Taylor who's in it, and I was like, excuse me, but when can I get more Flatch? <laughs> like I just I need more. um so one 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 other last quick thing which is i i I watched an interview with you on an on a morning news show and you all were talking about ddhd yeah dreams Dreams don't don't have have deadlines yes Yes, i took the took the fire out of your mouth dreams (laughs) don't have deadlines um i just really an ll cool j quote Mm -hmm. is that right um i just love that because they don't. And there's so many expectations put on us for like when we're supposed to achieve things Yeah, by a certain age. Oh my gosh. It's so true. It's so true. You know, like Bridget, the the star of somebody somewhere, she was a waiter until like 
four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? She only stopped waiting tables when she was um, on tour with Amy Schumer. Like that's mm. where it is. And she's saying uh, dreams don't have deadlines because um, like she watched it on an episode of Oprah's Masterclass. And she, at first she was like, oh my gosh, that's so dumb. <laughs> and then it filled her with so much hope. And it was this driving force, this like battery power of energy to keep going. Because um, sometimes when you reach a certain age, you're like, oh, it's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, or you reach a certain stage of life. I talked to a lot of people who are parents who were like, oh, well, I didn't get to do that before I had kids and now I have kids. And it, um, and uh, I, I, a lot of people have told me that there's like a thrill in knowing that you can still do things even after you have kids or even after you've whatever, gone bankrupt or, <laughs> you know, turned 50 or whatever. And I do love that this show is basically about that. You know, mm -hmm. it's about being able to find yourself even after you, you're in the second half of life. And all of the main cast members are people who have been, you know, working real hard for 20 plus years and are just now having this tiny bit of success. And um, it's nice. It's really nice. Yeah. It also feels very meta too because it's very like meta, yes. the characters playing that and also um I find I'm in my mid to late 30s <laughs> and um but even you know like making friends is hard <laughs> at all ages but I feel so like maybe hard. it's harder the older you get and so yeah. I love watching your friendship with like Joel's friendships with Sam Bloom and like mm. what that looks like and feels like as grown-ups it's right. because it's like you don't see that often because usually like shows that we watch, shall I, I'll speak for myself, that I watch, <laughs> we already are invited into friendships that exist. Right. We don't get to see the beauty of that awkwardness of like, I don't remember you, but I remembered you and you had a voice like an angel or, you know, whatever right. the beautiful line was, but um, yeah, voice like Fergie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's stepbrothers, but same, same. <laughs> um, this is totally a tangent, but I just saw on this like, campy instagram feed um a clip of kids incorporated where they were singing a medley of or not a medley just a a, a version a, a very candy colored version of she works hard for the money you know that donna summer song mm. about sex work yeah and fergie was in it <laughs> she was oh, Kids incorporated <laughs> i did not know that but that's mario lopez um they sounded great mm. um I agree with you about the friendship thing. I think friendship is so hard. You know, I, I lived in LA for four years and then I moved back here because my husband um, and I were long distance when I was in LA. And when I moved back here, I realized all of my friends had moved to LA. When mm. I, and um, so I had to completely start all over and it was so hard, but also so much more rewarding. Um, mm -hmm. Cause you know yourself so much more when you're older. And yeah. so you, you really are able to be like, Oh, you're not the one. <laughs> you're not the totally. <laughs> yeah. And find the one that is the right one. Mm -hmm. um, and now that I've been back for seven years, admittedly two of them were not great friend making time, but mm -hmm. I have found a, a, a community here that I am 
but yeah, I'm just so grateful for because friendships are so they're so nice. They're so, <laughs> so nice. Necessary. And people, there's not a lot of art about it. There's not a lot of like film and TV about friendship, really. Mm-hmm. I guess you could make an argument against that now that I think about it, but oh well. <laughs> well, like maybe what to add the add to the caveat of what you just said is like authentic authentic friendship like right what what feels it just watching that friendship come to life is mm-hmm. feels so much because it's not a like cheesy look into the camera kind of deal right. it hits different it hits different and so mm. i don't think there's a lot that hits in the same way that somebody somewhere does yeah totally good point thank you yes you're welcome <laughs> um so I, I want to ask you about your ring of keys moment because oh, right. mostly because of the emojis that you sent me made me feel like I wanted to hear it specifically, <laughs> which is so for folks who are listening, who aren't familiar with the ring of keys moment, it's borrowed from fun home written by Alison Bechtel. And it's basically this moment where small Al is in a cafe and she sees a butch lesbian walk in and it's a moment of recognition and it's a moment of visibility and representation. Mm-hmm. I even want to tie it back to what you said earlier about like, like what we deserve, whether it's we deserve to follow our dreams in a career or for our authentic selves of for who we are, it gave small Allison that permission that she deserved to be the person that she is. And so I'm curious if you can share a ring of keys moment with us. Right. Well, I guess I sort of already blew it because I think a big one was that um, Bob Wiltfong blog mm-hmm. um, where he talked about how he took this commercial acting class and um he was and he said something along the lines of like I'm not you know what I didn't I never went to study acting he was like a journalist Mm. and um and he did that and uh, that really made me love it but I saw Fun Home in previews at the public um because I'm friends with Beth Malone and so I was and we had been friends in LA and she was like, yeah, I'm doing this show at the public. And I was like, I'll come. And it, of course it ended up being like one of the most transformational <laughs> pieces of art that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And um, my husband, when I told him we were going to see it, he was like, okay. I mean, he had actually read the graphic novel. And so he was a little bit like, well, this will be interesting, I guess. But like when Ring of Keys started happening, we just turned to each other and both of us were like, <laughs> just. I mean, like not in a cute way but in like a, a real life <laughs> like oh no come c- calm down way <laughs> we're in public we were, literally in the public. We were just <laughs> sobbing because I just hadn't I had there were no there were no reviews or anything yet it hadn't mm. hadn't opened even off Broadway yet so we were weeping and I did think about um how I mean my ring of keys moment like around sexuality came so late which is that like I had basically already come out but I um I was a senior in college and was sort of depressed about the fact that I was gay thinking it was sort of like a I don't know like I was gonna have a crappy life mm-hmm. and um this <laughs> this guy who worked at um at my school invited me to this like church service that the this female pastor threw in her living room and there I met like several queer people in like healthy relationships and mm-hmm. they were funny and mm-hmm. they that was the big thing is they were funny it wasn't like a 
you know, sad movie. It was like, we all sat around it and we laughed and mm. we, um, you know, we were like joking about pop culture and things like that. And I would, I would, I realized like, oh, I could be like this. Mm-hmm. And this is a person I like. This is a person I would like to be around too. So I think that is sort of my, I don't know, it's not a very good ring. It's not as good as like seeing a, a butch delivery driver walk in and have dungarees. <laughs> yeah right um well you know what it is though because i feel like so much of what i associate with you is laughter and joy and humor and so to have for 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 me to for you to say like one of the first like like transformative moments for you as a queer person especially in a religious space mm-hmm. is sitting around with queer people laughing yeah. that feels that feels pretty significant yeah yeah, it does. I actually, somebody, I was like giving a stupid answer about one of these interviews that I was doing for the TV show. And they were like, what do you like about playing Joel? And I just said, I like that he smiles a lot because I've only played bitchy customer service representatives in my career. And I was like, actually, that's so true. This is the <laughs> first happy person I've ever played and I have been an actor for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's kind of radical it's kind of radical that this person is happy yeah and it and it also shows a different side uh, you know queer people we all contain multitudes and you don't always have to be the like you know like sidekick bitchy right um, right or the waiter that says sorry you know right. you don't have a reservation mm-hmm. <laughs> right exactly um okay i like really don't want to do this but i really need to move us to our last section which is our lightning round of questions i was told the first few seasons my questions were too binary so i've opened them up though i do have (laughs) but i do have two binary questions that uh i could not get rid of well one i couldn't and one is special just for you okay so great if you could name your own crayon what would you name it Hmm. i'll turn autumnal <laughs> Love it. <laughs> what is your favorite time of day? Um, morning, early morning. Favorite current queer media representation. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, somebody somewhere. <laughs> Perfect. What's a song that makes your heart sore? Oh, um, uh, someone saved my life tonight by elton john hmm. favorite beverage um lacroix tangerine mm, i love the orange <laughs> something about it oh i love the orange too yeah uh favorite quote oh um dreams don't have deadlines i knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> okay this one's special just for you cinnamon rolls dessert or breakfast mm, yes <laughs> okay um and bagels or donuts oh Ooh, i think maybe donuts i'm more that, of a sweetie person that answer is wrong just kidding um i mean it is but it's fine um <laughs> jeff bagel- I mean, don't get me wrong i know my way around a bagel too <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so do i um i thought today was friday for some stupid reason and it's because i do bagels every friday i was very sad that it was not friday no Um, it's only tuesday i think it's monday it's monday (laughs) 
It's the worst is what it is. Um, Jeff, what a treat. What a delight. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. My pleasure. And thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out.